boxeo is back. And it's back with a bang. The state of combat with Brian Campbell returns on CBS Sports. Back with the box. All sweet science. All the time. Neatly wrapped and sealed, I might add, with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. You know the, the voice you hear, the Brian Campbell back on the ones and twos, mixing it up, slipping you things. Somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy, somebody, uh, somebody, uh, it was the meat of Mexico. Hey, hey. And then the words tainted beef entered the lexicon. We are back with a big show. Fresh off that Spence Garcia pay-per-view at the house that Jerry built. Back with another Do You Care for a weekend coming up that's not wild at all, but we will break it down and back to give you another edition chapter in the friendship of Rafael Boogs and myself. I'm in Los Angeles on location for PBC Face-to-Face this week. In the backyard of my co-host. We're not in the same room, though. We're not even in the same part of town. But I can see him over Skype right now. I can see him. I mean, I, I was wondering, is he with me? Are you here with me or not? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Are you with me? Look at me, Rafe. He's a New York Times best-selling author. He's the, the one half of this show that knows box. Cruiserweight lover and aficionado, Rafe. Bartholomew, let me lick you up. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. Oh, Mikey, I think you should finish. Wow, no, that's too hard. That is too, too harsh. Wow, a little curveball there. I set you up thinking you were getting some Marvin Cease, but you cruised with me, Rafe. Uh, wow, we will get into that thing called Spence Garcia. A lot of takes. Rafe, a lot of hot takes on the old TL after a fight that seems so easy to digest. But don't, don't, uh, don't shoot, shoot the whole load yet. Rafe. I listen to him very well. I listen right. to him very how, well. How Staying it, in my cage. Staying in my cage. Wait till the 10th round, though. Rafe, Would you're you on your side of LA today. How is it, bro? How, how are you doing? You came at the right time, Brian. After well, these, good. I know, I know all around the country, people love to hear Southern Californians complain about weather. And let me tell you, brother, it has been one cold winter on the oh, left how coast. Dare you? How dare we're you? talking about, we're talking about lows in the forties, nights when sometimes you'd get a little bit of frost on your windshield. I mean, we were freaking out, and and the weather has turned. It is gorgeous these days. I'm I'm sure it's even more gorgeous where you are on the posh west side. Oh, I got a on balcony the Fox lot. Got Kate Abdo and Mike Coppinger walking around doing insider things. I don't even know how you're living on that side, but it's so good on my side that you must be living it up. I am living large. Uh, uh, yeah, I got a I got a balcony overlooking the Hollywood sign. I am living it right now, Rafe. I will not lie to you here in Century City slash Beverly Hills. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, we usually talk about boxing on the show. We probably should. Um, but you know, I was. I don't know. No, 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 This is Danny's night. Yeah, this is not yeah, boxing. Yeah. No more boxing. Um, uh, man, six hours in the same chair. That'll make you all feel all old and crusty on the inside, you know. But I'm off the plane. I'm back. I'm ready to go. Oh, uh, I was listening to a lot of '90s music over the weekend, Rafe. I've determined and, and discovered that. Uh, I made a change here. I made a change. The best song from the 1990s. That best represents the 1990s. 
I think it's Semi Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Compare or contrast? Oh. Prove me oh. wrong. Prove me wrong, Rafe. Oh, hell no. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's a disgusting it's act. Just like a nice um, bowl of 90s. You just, you just lick it, you know? You there? Are you with I me? I lost you there for a moment, Brian. Hear you now. Yes. Yeah, I think you might, your hotel wireless might be slowing us down a little bit, but I will roll with it. Brian, I spent my 90s youth not listening to any rock or alternative music, and I won't ever, ever recommend that kind of music. That's all I can say. Wow, wow. You can see, here's the thing, like, so I'm washing, I'm 40. So, like, if I'm having a cookout in the backyard, a couple people over, like, the 90s music is on. Like, it's on. It needs to be on because it brings out a time and a place in my life. And I never thought I'd become that old guy listening to all kinds of music, Rafe. But when it's time to hang and bang, it's 90s, bro. And I feel like every time I'm on a train, a plane, I'm repping more 90s. Speaking of the 90s, you should have said automobile there after plane and train, my yeah, friend. Yeah, 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 that's borderline 80s there. I don't know. I've, I've just, I'm very nostalgic lately, Rafe. I guess that's what happens when, it, you know, age adds up. But, uh, big fan of 90s one hit wonders. Apparently not you. I cannot have a conversation with you about Deep Blue something, Delamitri. None, none of the, none of these, uh. I don't even know what that is, man. Right, ah, jeez. Right, hey, Look, let's, if, let's... if you want to talk, if you want to talk 90s, I know, I know you're, I know how to talk to you about some 90s that you're down with. I can talk to you about Naughty by Nature, oh, Feel yeah. Me Flow, OPP, all of those kind of sort of cookout classics, the Dove Aisha, Shack, Summertime Aisha. in the Still LBC, Fighter Shade of Brown. Like that's the kind of cookout uh, barbecue music that, think- that, that the 90s are about. Well, where you're from. Yeah, yeah, where you're from. All right. I'm I, from... I mean, there's also some West Coast tunes that I, na- I named there. All right. Do you think Lil Rose smashed Aisha or, or is, am I out of bounds? Am I just... <laughs> That, that's, that is another bad, just, ugh, how could you do this to me, man? I don't want to think about that. All right. Well, the 90s gave us a lot of great uh, March Madness moments, Rafe. You know, I mean, come on. Bryce Drew, uh, Ty Edney, you know. Ty said, yeah, shoot. Watch out, Missouri. You thought you had that upset. Yeah, man. And, and Rafe, and it happens to be a, a, a March Madness week right now. And, you know, I know you're filling out a lot of brackets, bro, right? I know you want to win your bracket. In, is um, is this heading towards filling out a bracket sports.com because I have already filled mine out unless it doesn't exist in which I ha- in which case I haven't yet done <laughs> this leads to a bracket of the 64 best songs in the from the 90s no uh look you want to win your bracket I know that's a no-brainer Rafe but sportsline can help you with those sought after office bragging rights Rafe when you're walking around the halls at eater Eater, I just met her. You want it, you want people to know that you are a hoops picker. Last year, Sportsline's optimal bracket finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports brackets and called Villanova winning it all and their upset bracket called 12 of 18 first round up it upsets by double digit seeds the past three years. So Rafe, here's what you and I want the listeners to do. Visit sportsline.com slash brackets for the insight you need to win and let me tell you this, folks. State of Combat listeners can sign up for Sportsline right now using the promo code FIGHT. F-I-G-H-T. FIGHT. Keep fighting. The promo code is FIGHT. And you know what you'll get, Rafe? You'll get your first month for just $1. Rafe, you remember the 90s, right? Trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, a dime and a nickel. Just you, first month for a dollar. Use that promo code FIGHT. 
sportsline.com slash brackets. Hey, that's all you need, Rafe, for March, all right? Is there? Am I allowed? Is this going to help me with my life as a as a boxing fan, aficionado, gambler, better, any of those things? No, I don't. That's okay. That's okay. I'm still on board. I still want it. All right. Speaking of uh, things that people want that they need, uh, load watch. Uh, Rafe, last week we had Paulie Malignaggi on, and we did that weird thing where we re- where we recorded the episode before I talked to Paulie. To find out whether 2019, 2013, is it the same, Rafe? Is it the same, you know, standard operating procedure? I think, I think it's still the way we do it. But, um, we, we do. talked, we talked load watch. Did you get a chance to hear it? Your thoughts? You guys, you guys, you guys hit it all. Everything that I ever wanted to know about load watch without actually listening to that interview, you guys oh, nailed wow. it. Wow. All right. So I guess we're not having that conversation. Uh, back to the nineties, Rafe. Wow. No. Um, but here's the thing. Load watch 2019 will not stop. Talking nineties, Rafe can't stop, won't stop, right? You know what I'm saying? May say nothing changed but my limp. Like I'm telling you right now that the people I'm getting NBA tweets, I'm getting NBA texts from people about load management and load watch. And then one of our hardest, well, that was the wrong word. One of our most passionate listeners. Mustang Grease at Quality Bloke. We tell you that people go to the ends of the earth to find out, put their ear to the screen if loads are being, I don't know, what's the right word? Shot? They're on the verge of being shot. He went to the level of a Facebook watch stream involving friend of the program, Woodsy, Michael Woods, right? Calling the Spike O'Sullivan, Kiari Gray middleweight fight. Did you watch this slop from Boston, Rafe? How am I going to watch that slop? Come on. Facebook watch, bro. All right. Well, here's what you missed. Late in that round, the bodywork Xavier thought really took it out of him late, possibly shot his load and worked too hard at the front side of that round, and then he just kind of fell off the cliff a little bit. Rafe, who of us haven't SRL and fell off the side of a cliff, or at least felt like it, Rafe, right? That, that is... That, that, that's exactly how it works. There's, you don't feel much lower... Then after blowing an L or a wide, no, no, and no, no, no. it's just you get to take that dive into the great beyond. After that, it's over. Wow, wow, wow! Yeah. Maybe he, I uh, think he, he blew his wide early. Wow, uh, yeah. So Paul, hey, we had Paulie chuckling. You didn't hear it last week, but Paulie was chuckling. He said, "Look, I, I'm not a PC guy, but even I wouldn't say that on the air." But Michael Woods would. All right, there are there are definitely definitely. Many, many examples. I don't know many, but I, I swear to you, Brian, at one point in my life, I have seen on the Twitter someone post video from a fight that Paulie called. This was a few years ago. It would have been a Showtime fight saying, I think he shot his wad or I think he shot his load. Like, I don't believe Paulie it. is not above this. All right. It, it, this never. is 2019. Paulie, we know how Paulie gets down. Yo, 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 relax, relax. You know what I mean? At least somebody shot the wad. Yeah, right? I mean, you know. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Rafe, um, yeah, so that's that. That's business this week. Um, hey, in fact, before we get into this thing called Spence Garcia, why don't we do some more business? Why don't we hear now from our friends and sponsors? You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. And we're back, Rafe, and we are back with a bang, with a bullet, dial L for loads. It is time, Rafe. Weekend recap, and that starts Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium. It happened, Rafe. Errol Spence Jr. defended his IBF welterweight title against Mikey Garcia in a fight that, hey, I'm going to give Fox credit. They built this well. They promoted the crap out of this. This felt like a big deal come last Saturday night. And then we saw Mayweather Marquez all over again. Winky Wright, Felix Trinidad all over again. We saw a Dominant performance from Errol Spence Jr. We saw possibly a bridge too far from Mikey Garcia. And then we saw an S-storm of really weird takes on the timeline that we're going to get into. But how we saw it play out, 12 rounds, I scored it, shut out, 120-108. to A couple of those judges, I think, had it 120-107. Rafe, your thoughts on this fight? Brian, I had it almost the same way. I did score the second round for Mikey, so I gave him that one round. But even that was close. That was nothing really happened. He landed a he, he landed a decent right hook or, or left hook, and that that was pretty much it. And that might have been his best work in the fight. It was it was domination. And you know, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about the takes. But I got to say it right on top, Brian. Do we have to consider revoking? the ball sack of the year award that we had perhaps prematurely given to Mikey Garcia for stepping up to take this fight because there are people out there, guys, I've seen guys, many guys, right, suggest that Mikey Garcia didn't go for it, didn't put those ball sack of the year balls on the line. Got to give Mikey the ball sack of the year award for taking that fight because they got to be this big to jump out two weight classes. you ever heard this guy on Twitter, or I mean on YouTube called T Street? He breaks things down? No, no, oh, not off the top of my head. Because he's contributing this. Mikey Garcia has a really big scrotum. But inside that big scrotum, oh yeah, we knew media now. Um, inside that big scrotum, scrotum, is huge, huge testicles. He's got real big balls. Wow, okay, so balls. that's what we said coming in, Rafe, to move up two weight classes, to take on the boogeyman of the division, the guy that everybody was avoiding. Are you going to come on this show and say he didn't go for it? He didn't do whatever it took to win like he said he would. Maybe them balls weren't as big as we thought. What in the hell are you saying, Rafe? Well, it's it's the famous saying, the old saw in boxing. It's not the size of the man in the fight it's the size of the fight in the scrotium wait a minute 
I think it's got to be your bull. Yeah, it's got to be your bull on that one, Brian. I'm sorry. Got that one wrong. No, um, I, I'm not going to go that far. I, I've seen that take. I understand it. I, I, I think that it's fair to say that Mikey didn't go for it in that way. However, everyone saying he didn't go for it, I would then like to hear a suggestion of how he should have gone for it in that fight because Errol Spence took every option away from him. There was not, the, the, Errol Spence never let him get off the blocks, basically. That jab, the distance, there was no, nothing Mikey could do short of running in there and getting knocked out, which I guess some people see that as a, well, you ne- if you, if you, if, if you just go crazy, if you just try and get inside and turn it into some kind of brawl, that adds an element of, of randomness to the fight, of of it being more unpredictable. And after even three or four rounds of that fight, we saw the fight that Spence was fighting and how little success Mikey Garcia was having against it. Maybe, yes, you, you throw out the game plan and just try and make something crazy happen. But I feel pretty confident in in just saying nine times out of ten, maybe more, in that circumstance, we do know how that plays out. And that plays out with Mikey taking a lot more damage and probably getting stopped. I think that it Errol Spence used his advantages, his natural advantages and his boxing skills perfectly, put together a real game plan to win this fight, stuck to it, executed it. And to me, it's one word. It's distance. Mikey is a fighter who's used to being in the driver's seat, being able to control the action in the ring he he likes to he'll he'll let he wants his opponents to make mistakes and and but he needs to be at di- the right distance to capitalize them are to counter saying, them to to you, hurt them and then follow it up and Errol never gave him that let me ask you this are you saying in a soft way not not a fully insulting way but in a soft way that Mikey's a bit of a front runner meaning that we've never seen him have to rally we saw him in a tough fight with Sergey Lipinets for that 140 title but we've never seen him have to come back from something is that what you're saying I don't know that I would say that he's a front runner because there's a certain element of when you are all of a sudden at a new level, whether it's a new level of talent, a new level of size. And I think that the size is almost Errol Spence's size advantage, even though he didn't use it to put some ever loving beating on Mikey Garcia. I still think that was a major factor in this fight, just in terms of reach and how he was able to use it to keep Mikey from being effective. Um, I think that for a guy like Mikey Garcia, who probably has not been in many boxing rings where he has not been able to seize control of a fight and dictate the terms on which it is going to happen, all of a sudden being in that kind of situation for the first time, certainly in his professional career, I think that, that it's hard to know how even how even for himself, how he's going to respond to that. It's easy to say, oh, you're losing this way. You got to try something else. Where's your plan B? Where's your plan C? Well, great. Yeah, that's very easy to say. But Mikey Garcia, he's never had to do that before. And he may not know another way to go be effective. He may not know or may not feel confident how to turn the fight into a brawl and feel like he has a chance to win. That's not never been his style. So to say that he should have done that, I'm not, I don't think it's a front runner thing. I think he just got the entire 
play taken away from him Damn by right. and whatever he thought that he could have done, whatever advantages he thought were there, he was obviously wrong. Wow, Rafe, this was an absolute masterclass, a clinic from a top operator. There were so many brilliant things that Spence did where afterwards we're going, wait, what was all that stuff Mikey said he saw coming in? I believe that Mikey did see things coming in. I believe that Mikey did have the right size balls to take on this fight and thought he was going to come in and do something. And even, let's say, at the midway point of the fight when he's losing pretty much 5-1-6-0, I think in Mikey's head he still thought he was going to figure something out. But you know what he ended up seeing in the end? A lot of Errol Spence doing everything. Errol Spence jabbing. Errol Spence's defense, Rafe, was so insanely responsible for a guy who's known as a stalker, as a seek and come and get you guy. Like it, he never put himself like this. Like this is best in the game type of performance. Rafe, he deserves a chance right now for us to argue whether Spence actually is the pound for pound king. Tell, tell me another person he'd be better than Chris Algieri. Well, it's Mikey Garcia, and I don't want to hear people say. Well, see, told you so. Stupid idea. The size was the problem. Rafe, I'm going to make a comment now that I made in my recap that I made on Twitter that people didn't like. This, The way this play, fight played out wasn't about the size. It was about the skill. Mikey didn't underestimate the size difference. Mikey underestimated the skills difference. Errol Spence is insanely good. He is in that rarefied air conversation right now with Lomachenko, with Crawford, with maybe Usyk. For who's the best in the world, and I think if you extend it further for him in, in, in Crawford, we could be talking about historical welterweights. Rafe, we seriously, like, when Bob says Terrence Crawford's better than Sugar Ray Leonard, I, I gotta, you know, kinda roll my eyes and be like, alright, slow, slow it up a little. But what I'm seeing here is that, I'm seeing that these are potentially all-time greats, these guys at the very, very top of this division. Spence put out an all-time great performance on Saturday night. Rafe, it was not about the size. Yes, Mikey couldn't hurt him with his power, and Spence's power was hurting and moving Mikey. But Spence didn't just walk him down. Like, if this is the way it played out... Errol Spence by murder. And let's say he walked Mikey down in three rounds. Let's say Mikey wasn't who we thought he was, and Mikey got stopped in three rounds. You would have been talking about the size. But yet, it goes the distance, and instead of being a negative against Spence, and by the way, I know there's people on Twitter who are saying, could knock out a lightweight? First of all, the guys won a title at 140, and he was inevitably going to go up to 47. So can we stop with the lightweight talk? But number two, Rafe, if Spence just walked through him, there wouldn't be that much respect. But the fact that he had to show everything, and the fact that Mikey actually was that good, not to score on offense, but Mikey had to throw a perfect game level of defense to not get stopped in this yeah. fight. I mean, he got beat up systematically. He got broken down with body punches and straight lefts, but he never got beat up really in any sequence except for that ninth round, which led Robert Garcia to almost stop it. And then, of course, you give Mikey credit for coming back and, and, and kind of having some more pep in his step. But, Rafe, if Mikey wasn't Mikey, this fight wouldn't have gone the distance because you watched what Peterson couldn't do against Spence. You watched what Kel Brook couldn't do. Mikey was brilliantly responsible and even the great Chris Algieri could not make it through and even five rounds with Errol Spence. The only criticism you can give Mikey at this point in my eyes is that he that he looked at the moral victory of going the distance as like it seemed like they got to a certain point where he's like, okay, I'm just going for the moral victory of going the distance. But even if you're going to criticize that, what does he owe us? Does he owe us because it's a pay-per-view fight and because fans paid 75 to get sent to hell? 
I don't think so because as you laid out, I, it's just not in him to go for broke and to be reckless. He's too good of a boxer. He's too responsible. He got absolutely dominated, but Rafe, true or false? I don't think it was about the size on this night. Did you see the way Spence used reach for distance like you mentioned? I mean, it was brilliant. Well, but Brian, that's exactly what I was going to push back lightly on and say, obviously, this Errol Spence, first of all, anyone who thought Errol Spence was not a particularly skilled fighter, and we can even address this to our our beloved Richard Dwyer, who severely underestimated, I think, Errol Spence. Yeah, he did, Rafe, and we're going to have to bring you the proof right now. Richard Dwyer coming at you. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Errol Spence's back foot game. Wow. That was a brief conversation. Now, this is the same Twyer Rafe who came in here and said that Mikey should have been the betting favorite. So we know that he's got takes that, look, he's got some pretty smart takes, which is why I think some people get into him with his delivery. But he's got some ridiculous takes, and this turned out to be a ridiculous take but I'm not going to put it all on him. There were a lot of experts that were picking Mikey to win. And I think you and I, there's sort of that itch in us of like, can Mikey do this? Is he going to be better than we think he is? But Rafe, anyone saying Spence had no back foot game or he's just a stalker, good Lord, did he dispel that. I loved what he said in the post-fight interview about like, you people think, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard didn't think I could box on this level with a Mikey Garcia. Good Lord, Rafe, that was clinical. Yeah, so, so first of all, shame on anyone who underestimated Errol Spence's boxing ability, pedigree, just what we've seen in the ring from him to that degree. I think it was fair to look at it at from the beginning and say, well, Mikey might be the better technical, more schooled, whatever kind of fighter here. That's a, That was a fair thing to suggest at the beginning, but to act like it was some sort of massive mismatch where he, like, like you're, like, as if Errol Spence's, I, I love me some Ruslan Provodnikov, but Errol Spence ain't no Ruslan Provodnikov. This is not Siberian Rocky Caveman style fighting. Errol Spence is, is the truth. Sorry to use his nickname like a, like a hack here. Um, so first of all, some folks underestimated Errol Spence severely, but I was going to say, I do think that the size mattered not in the walk him down and eat, walk through anything Mikey threw at him and, and, and just that kind of, oh, he's just too big and physical. But in that he used, Errol Spence used the fact that he is the bigger, longer, natural welterweight, taller fighter to take the fight away from Mikey Garcia. That size was a big factor. I mean, that, that Mikey had no route into the fight because Errol's size and the way he used it to, to take the distance away basically never let Mikey into the fight. So I do think size was an issue, just not the way that we, the the, the sort of standard way that plays out in fights when you're saying, oh, the bigger man is going to walk him down and win. No, it didn't play out that way. It was a bigger man using his skill to to turn what might have been or what seemed like it could be on paper, a very even boxing match into a complete dominant performance. No question about it. And the copy box numbers were insane. What was it? Something like 350 to 75 punches landed overall. I mean, it was just like something insane. And, uh, Errol landed 51% of his power shots. He averaged 51 jabs thrown per round. And he did this as a southpaw against a technician of a right-handed fighter. And 
CompuBox sent some email that says Spence is now ranked number one in power punch connect percentage in the entire sport. Rafe, this was the absolute perfect mix of boxing and punching. He's the complete fighter. The only one that I think can give him game is the fight that we want and need, and it's Spence Crawford, which will be our modern-day uh, Leonard Hearns. It will be oh, our oh. modern-day let's find out who is the guy of this era because Crawford's shown you that there's an abstract artist in there. He can do things outside the box. He can go to – he can raise his ceiling higher. Spence seems to be able to raise the ceiling higher by being the, maybe the biggest punching welterweight. But then you mix with that ability to box, Rafe. One day we will get that. One day it will be glorious. Ryan, can I can I can I get a little fanciful with you and suggest something a little bit crazy, a little bit just even more wild and out there? I, I don't and I don't, I feel bad because I feel like we should probably focus all of our efforts to keep the pressure on for one day seeing Spence Crawford because that is the fight. But what about man? What about? What if what if Spence wants to get a little get that big money and he wants to and he wants to dare to be great, go up a couple of weight classes and challenge Canelo Alvarez, oh, Brian. You, you 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 can't talk yourself into that? Oh. You don't want that in your veins, brother? Of course I do, but that's probably even harder to make, first of all. And uh, Of course. And, so I, I said fanciful. I said fanciful. Uh, I mean look, I, I think Spence is going to be an insanely good junior middleweight when, when, you know, when and if he decides to. Yeah, he could probably make that Sugar Ray Leonard like move to middleweight, but oh man, that would be great. It's, it, but it's almost like another world, another category to the point that I can't even really let myself enjoy that thought, Rafe, because there's so many great welterweights he needs to fight first that he could fight, that he will fight. Crawford is still a push to the future type of situation. We got to talk about who he can and will fight next. But yeah, obviously the idea of him as the, as the boxer there against Canelo, the counterpuncher would be in, uh, insane, insane rape boxing. If they can get their ish together and the best can still fight the best Rafe. Wow. All right. But let's talk. Let, let's All right. Look, here's what we established. If there's anything to be bad at Mikey, we laid it out. And by the way, He's not the offensive dynamo we thought when he's not in control. You're right. You nailed it. He took a little bit of a moral victory, but uh, some people are taking it next level, this take, that uh, that Mikey didn't man up, that Mikey didn't ball up, that Mikey may have never been what we thought. Did you see the comments that Tim Bradley Jr. gave in the aftermath here, Rafe? It might sound terrible, Brian. I mean, I can I can summarize them somewhat quickly by playing you this sound. I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. No, 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 that's, no. That's too, that's too harsh. harsh. I think he should finish. Listen. Bradley admits that he gave, and this is on boxing scene. He admits that he gave Mikey Garcia too much credit heading into the fight. He, of course, like a lot of us, thought it would be more competitive. He went out and said Garcia looked foolish, Rafe. So I thought that was it from kind of reading the first graph. Then I went into the quotes. Quote, are you ready here? Are you ready here, Rafe? Get on me, baby. Mikey has done a lot in this sport. He hasn't had a real big, big significant win, but he's captured four world championships, which is great. And at the same time, he got a huge paycheck. When you get big paychecks, when was the last time you saw Conor McGregor get back in there? It took a minute to get back in there to fight for a couple mil, bro. Mikey couldn't even land a punch on Spence. Mikey is a world-class fighter, top 10. He should have been able to find something significant on Spence, but he couldn't. And if and if he did, it was one punch at a time with no follow-up. 
He couldn't even get close to him, bro. And this is Mikey Garcia we're talking about. His speed wasn't there, and Spence wasn't affected by his punching power. Rafe, he ended up saying, think about it. His brother Robert retired at 29. Mikey could honestly be done. I, what, are, what are we supposed to do with this, Brian? I, he, his, I think that Bradley's breakdown of the fight is correct. He could not get anything done. And that was, it was, that was even surprising. Even to people, I mean, we talked, you know, we, we gave Mikey a chance in the fight, but, ta- but eventually decided that, that Errol Spence, you know, was our pick and was, was the fighter we thought was going to win. But it was still surprising to see Mikey get dominated so thoroughly, even though watching it, it made logical sense how it was happening. You're thinking, oh, all of a sudden, like, all right, wait a minute. Mikey has no way to get into this fight in that manner but should he finish if he wants to sure and yet i guess with mikey garcia there are always those questions of uh how i guess i guess this will bring back that question people had a few years ago of how committed mikey garcia is to the sport but forget why are we looking back three years to when we were like we were wondering oh would mikey rather be a a police officer or work in law enforcement, go to law school, whatever it is that he wanted to do back then. Or why not look at the last three years or however it's been since his, since he came back to boxing and how, and what he's done in that. He looked pretty serious. People thought he was pretty serious going into this Errol Spence fight. I don't know if he made enough money off one, off this one fight, which we, I not, I do not want to get into to Glazer land, but we don't, we haven't even seen much in the way of, pay-per-view projections yet right so how we don't know if he's getting a lot of upside on this i don't know if you read mike coppinger his ama on reddit but he mentioned that he thought the break even point for the promotion was 275,000 buys i believe and that people were expecting beforehand that it could do 350 as a ceiling i thought it could do four as a ceiling because i thought fox uh, promoted it well in advance and by the way you got to give errol spence credit as an a-side he put 47,000 people in that dome so when he says after the fight that I'm the money man now, people are going to come after me, you can't really laugh at that. But to your point on Mikey, um, yeah, I don't know if he made enough money here like Connor to, to cash out, but Bradley made the right points in comparing it to what, to what happened to his brother who, you know, got burnt out and, and was sort of sick of the game by that age. And if Mikey pushed himself to the highest level, which he did for this fight, and he found out that he wasn't anywhere close – can he still get up for Lomachenko at 135? Or can he still get up for random fighter at 140 for a title? I think that's a fair question, given how badly he lost. And knowing sure, like, but his the, personality. The fights are there. The fights are going to be there at 135 and 140, assuming Mikey can comfortably get down to lightweight again for a Lomachenko fight. All these guys coming out of the 140-pound tournament. I, it's... They're not there yet, but guys like Regis Progre and Josh Taylor are not far off from being considered stars in the sport. And fights with Mikey Garcia are the kind of things that could make it happen. There's a, I think the fights are there for, for Mikey to, to, to have not just the intrinsic motivation to want to be the best, to want to redeem himself, to want to prove to the people who doubt him now, who are questioning his legacy after he made this dare-to-be-great jump up two divisions to face the welterweight that all the PBC welterweights don't want to face. The people who are questioning Mikey Garcia after that, 
if he if he if he's not motivated to prove them wrong and prove to himself that he's still one of the best fighters on the planet, he just belongs at lightweight or 140 pounds. He's going to have lots of dollar size. He's going to have touching M's to motivate him. So I don't think that it, unless he wants to, unless he feels like he's done, there's no other out, obvious reason to suggest that he should retire. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting take. I won't go that far. He's got you know, you know he's just carrying water for the top rank goons, man. We know there's bad blood between Mikey and top rank going way back. Maybe, maybe Tim Bradley, you know, got a little bit of the company line stuck in his head or, or he's just trying to look good in front of the people who are watching him. I understand it happens. Wow. Wow. All right. Don't forget what Tim Bradley said that time. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, so Spence, what's next? So here's the deal. Manny Pacquiao was ringside. Had to make sense for the PBC to fly him out. He's a player for a lot of potential fights. Thurman wants him bad. Everybody would take him. Spence called him into the ring. And then there was that awkwardness that, Rafe, you speak Pacquiao better than I do. What I saw was Spence saying, I respect you. Let's do this. And Manny going, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, if the fans want, uh, yeah, uh, and to me, it came off like, oh, hell no. I could go expose Thurman. Why am I going to fight this destroyer? No, I ain't fighting you, bro. Other people thought differently. What was your take on Manny's reaction? I think you might be taking it a little bit too far, Brian, although it definitely was not a – it was just the standard stock Manny answer where – you put him on the spot and he doesn't have anything else sort of prepared in his head that he wants to say. So he's just going to give you a, oh yeah, we'll give the fight, uh, good fans for the people. Uh, yeah, then, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, like that, you're going to hear that all the time. Now, I do think it's fair to suggest that if Manny walked into that arena on Saturday night with the idea that the next fight for him that was going to be the best opportunity, make him the most money that he wanted the most, was the winner, which he should have expected to be Errol Spence, or at least that was the betting favorite. If uh, Manny walked in expecting to, to want that fight with Spence next, he would have had a line ready. He would have had something more to give us than, oh, yeah, let's make the fight. Uh, yeah, whatever the people want. So, yes, when you get the noncommittal vague answer from Manny, that means that he's it's not the first thing on his list. Right. It's not. the And, and nor should it be in nor should it be under any circumstances. Right. I mean, even I mean, for the obvious reason being, well, maybe Manny really wants the Floyd fight next. We don't know what Floyd is is even considering it, how much money it would take, who the heck knows. But that's obvious. That's got to be Manny's number one choice. But even even in a universe without Floyd, where that's not on the table, Errol Spence should not be Manny Pacquiao's first choice for his next opponent. It should be a lot of other guys uh, because Spence is too big, too good, too young at this point in their well, respective careers. He, that is a that is that's a, that's a feed him. That's a squash match, right? But but Spence just headlined his first pay per view. He wants to double down on the money. Pacquiao would give him the best recognition of money. We all know that. I just think it's interesting that he said I either want Pacquiao or Sean Porter can get it, and then he ripped Sean Porter, which was funny, saying he couldn't even sell out his own family dinner. He never said Keith Thurman's name once, and it's not because he doesn't want it. It's because he is completely one hundred percent resigned to the fact that. 
Thurman ain't fighting him this calendar year, if not even longer, which I just think is hilarious that he's basically like giving up on that altogether, Rafe. But that's sort of where we're at. We keep Thurman. Well, you know, stay injured as long as I keep winning. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think me and him ever gonna fight. Um. So look, Porter. Porter might. Are be you fight. upset, Brian? Are you upset at all? And I guess we're gonna have a point of comparison in about a month, right? But there's one there there was one name who I think Errol Spence should have called out and he didn't and that person is Terence Crawford. And that's not I don't obviously that's not because he doesn't want the fight and obviously the political obstacles to making that fight probably are too great for Errol Spence mentioning Crawford after the fight on Saturday night to make a big difference. But still, I want to hear it from the fighter at least in that big moment. Now, we read enough of the boxing press. We see enough Errol Spence quotes outside of that to know that, you know, Spence, Spence, Spence talks about fighting Crawford plenty and says he wants to. And we, and, and we believe that. But it would be nice if he threw that in in that moment instead of saying, Hey, legendary old guy who is miraculously still one of the best welterweights out there because all of our good young welterweights won't fight each other. You, let's fight you instead of let's fight the other guy who is the best in this division. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I just think like, like, like the Thurman situation, Spence is just woke to the realities right now. Cause he did, he was asked at the press conference and he's like, yeah. That's I'm not, gonna... no, Brian. No, 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 no. Stop that crap. No, no, Stop that on. crap. The fighters have to make their voices okay, heard. Right. Otherwise they let the promoters and the networks and everyone else job the fan. Fighters are the only ones who can put on that pressure. Okay. You're right about that. But if his, his cupboard is so full though. Because look, he would obviously like to double his name value by fighting Pacquiao. He knows Thurman and Porter are real fun, big time, uh, unification fights. So in this case, he's got so much in front of him that I'm not mad at that at all. He was asked at the press conference, like, yeah, obviously I'd love to fight, uh, Crawford. And we know who Crawford is. And right, Terrence Crawford, quite frankly, is a guy who's a bad man. I mean, he might be the BEST, but I think when Spence comes out with a performance that says, no, Errol Spence might be the BEST. It's down the line, bro. It is what it is. I do get what you're saying. But look, if it's Porter, man, that's a great-ass fight. It's a great style matchup. It's great. What did uh, Brother Nazim say? You got to shoot uh, Sean Porter when he comes up on your door, on your on your porch? You got to shoot him when he's on your, on your, on your front yard. You got to shoot him again when he gets on that front step. You got to shoot him before he gets on that porch because once he's on the porch, I believe he will be in your ass. But Sean Porter also got to fight that way. We, that Sean Porter, the in your ass Sean Porter has been MIA a little bit recently. And it'll be uh, Sean Porter. Also, what'd you think of Sean Porter's leprechaun outfit at the, uh, at the, at the pay per view? I cash Fox checks, Rafe, so if you want me to sit here and break apart everything that was wrong with that Fox pay-per-view broadcast, Rafe, can I? Will I? Yeah, that green outfit was not good. But, you know, Sean's exquisite. He has the largest uh, Windsor tie knot of any man on this side of the earth, so he went for it, and I won't be against that. But uh, uh they got to figure out pacing a little bit better, Rafe, on that pay-per-view. I don't, look, I'm not, I don't care about criticizing people's pay-per-view broadcast. I, I am, I am of a, I'm cut from a different cloth, Brian. And that cloth is, I don't really respect the broadcast profession, despite being slightly adjacently involved in it. And, you know, it's very hard. They're all better than I am at it. But it's also something that there's a lot of people out there who aren't ever going to get chances to do that just because they don't know the right people and they didn't go to the right schools to be Jim Lampley. So, you know, I don't really care. Was it too slow? Was it too fast? 
I bought it because I like boxing. Wow. All right. You know, you know what Dwyer would say about that, Rafe. Make that money, player. So that is it. We won't right. go down that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Dwyer. Um, so Errol Spence, uh, I want Porter next. I want Thurman. Okay. So here, look, pipe dream. We're not getting, we're not getting Crawford. And it's not going to be should. Thurman. I hope not Pacquiao. I really hope not Pacquiao. Make the Porter fight. Fun ass fight. If they did Danny Garcia, if he beats Adrian Granados, I wouldn't hate that either. It's got to be that level. Cannot be anything else but that level. Cannot be a mandatory. Cannot be anything but that level. If it is Pacquiao, I would accept it. But Pacquiao going to get hurt, Rafe. All right? Spence by murder. That's a scary fight for, for Manny it is. He's going to walk into walk into a steel beam. Let me let me let me pour some water on my balls. I'm sad. This is making me sad, but at the same time, Brian Manny looks better than a lot of the top welterweights. He looks I think he's I think Manny beats Sean Porter. Do you think Manny's the third best welterweight right now? He might be. It's weird to say that. He sh- and, and I don't know why. I I, may, I guess until well, no, nah, that's a hipster take. I was going to say, well, until Regis Progray and Josh Taylor and those guys get up Stop to 147. It. But that's that's hardcore hipster stuff. I mean, we don't um, do that on this show, all right? Don't make me bring Teddy in here. You know where I'm going with this. All right. Stop that crap. Stop it. All right. Um, but by the way, we do not mention the Floyd-Manny possibilities. I mean, I, I'm sure it's there. Floyd was there wearing some Mr. T-chains. But I don't know. I'm not getting that itch that Floyd has that itch. But we'll see. He could try to screw Spence. You never know. Rafe, we cannot linger here too much longer, though. But um, predict, though. Predict where Spence goes next. Predict it for me. Oh, man. I think Porter is next. Look, we've seen – we saw what happened with Manny and Crawford at top rank in a couple years ago. That fight was there. Top rank, according to a lot of reports at the time, wanted the fight. Crawford obviously wanted the fight. Freddie Roach, Manny Pacquiao. Manny, of course, never said he didn't want to want the fight, and that's not really his job to to say it, to come out and say, "Look, I'm I don't need to fight this guy who's really good at this age of my career when I'm this rich." Um, but if they were smart enough to avoid Terence Crawford a couple of years ago, then I gotta think that they are going to be smart enough not to jump head first into the Errol Spence fight unless there's some kind of godfather money behind it, which is going to be hard to imagine because Manny's going to bring in about as much money to whatever fight he fights next, whoever it is, right? He's still the A-side in that division. So I think it's more likely we'll see Porter first. Porter is hungry. I, I'm sure he's going to not feel – Porter will be smart to to hold out for a good deal on that one too. But – I feel like Porter Spence is more likely than than Spence Pacquiao next. All right. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, interestingly, tweeted at Spence after the fight and said, congratulations on your victory. But if you want to make real money, let me promote your next fight on DAZN. Uh, wow. Isn't Oscar suing Floyd Mayweather for doing the same thing to Rye Guy, Ryan Garcia, over social media, trying to basically, like, Offer to promote him, and then Spence came back with something I did not see coming. Quote, you don't treat black fighters well, brother. Wow, Rafe. Wow. Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, I think – I mean, first of all – actually, first of all, Oscar's lawsuit about against Floyd Mayweather promotions – about Ryan Garcia is just ridiculous. That no one thinks that's going to go anywhere. That is, and and Oscar of course is the guy who years ago, what was it, 2007, gave Manny Pacquiao 
a briefcase filled with like a million dollars or a half million dollars to have him come join Golden Boy and leave top rank. And Manny took the money and then it was just like, I don't know where the money went, bro. Now who said, um, no, who said he gambled it away in one night? Somebody has said that publicly. Man, people say it's always somebody going to say that because you can always guess, oh, it sounds true. Well, he's got a big entourage. People saying that Man, they never actually know. They Manny. didn't see it themselves. You will always be out here protecting Manny and his bank account and his finances and his his political choices and his yeah ko ang senador ko not not really my senator and I'm not, I try not to defend his political stuff yeah. but anyway um anyway uh so so first of all the the lawsuit is dumb like like the Oscar lawsuit is dumb i think that if you were looking for legal wiggle room there the the argument would be that pbc fighters technically don't have promoters yes. right they're they're yes. they that that it is the al Heyman scheme to get around the ali act which generally benefits him and his fighters, but does leave them open to this kind of op- this white uh, public tampering that we see the zone guys do to PBC fighters all the time because there's no legal reason not to. They don't. They claim to not be promoted by anyone, so promoters are welcome or or at least legally allowed to reach out to them. Um, and as far as Errol Spence's reply about. Oscar De La Hoya not doing right by black fighters. He may be right. That may be a reputation that Oscar has, not one that I'm aware of. Is also I'm trying to think of how many well-known, how many well-known black fighters have been on Golden Boy in the current era than the non-Al Heyman, Richard Schaefer era of Golden Boy Hopkins, promotions. Bernard Hopkins. What's that? Bernard Hopkins. Uh, Shane Mosley, who eventually left, basically gave up his stake in Golden Boy to be able to fight Floyd that one time. Or no, to, I'm sorry, to be able to fight Manny that one time on pay-per-view. Um, yeah, I don't think there's been a lot of African-American fighters outside of that, so maybe that's more of his larger point. And uh, with something like that, Brian, you know, you, it's hard to – you you get back to that chicken and egg question where uh, is Oscar using his connections in the Mexican-American community, his connections with the, the, the fight, with fighting with the boxing promoters and, and connections he has in Mexico, is his – you know, second in charge, Eric Gomez. You know, is it just that they are more connected, and that's where they find the fighters that they want that they work with, uh, or is there something racial behind it? It's we'll never know. I hope there isn't. There shouldn't be. This is, uh, but but often there is. Race is a real thing, and and while it's very easy for non-black commentators, fighters, whoever, to look at. The situation that Al Heyman has with the fighters, a lot of obviously Al Heyman's the PBC stable is huge and has lots of non-black fighters, but it's very easy to look at that from the outside in our position as washed white guys in other people's okay. positions, whatever they are, and say, well, you guys aren't doing – we don't think you're doing what's best for you. If the money it might be bigger here than it is there, why are you sticking with this guy? What? Why should – well, that's their decision and – Race solidarity is a real thing and it exists for real reasons. So I, I feel like I, it's really not anyone's place to be criticizing their decisions as long as they're happy with their lives and their pay and all those things. And hopefully that they're, they're sure that they're getting the best business shake that they can get. Then God bless them. They should be doing that. All right. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta step up the fast forward button here as, uh, as, uh, for time purposes. But, um, you didn't watch the whole pay per view or did you, Rafe? I caught, well, what did we say? Did the whole pay per view? I watched see, the fights. Did you watch Radio Rahim's weight cutting skit? 
rip that suit no. off. <laughs> Show everyone your S. Oh, where he cut weight like Spencer Garcia and then interviewed both while cutting weight and then went to some restaurant and ate the crap out of an ear of corn. You didn't see that? <laughs> I didn't see anything. Cool How did he go? Did he, did he make weight? Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was an interesting. I, I was happy to see him on the broadcast. Um, did he get any clenbuterol? Did was, he have any of the extras? Was he doing Vada? Uh, we don't know that. It was kind of hokey. It was kind of fun. It was, but, uh, hey, he made it pay per view level. Uh, did you see the under, the main card undercard bouts, Rafe? You did, bet I did. Bro. Okay. David Benavides sent, uh, Jaylion Love to, uh, hell and looked great doing it. Now, hey, Love. Well, he did beat you, and he does have them, and I want to see him back in this crowded 168 division. Holy crap, David Benavidez back from drugs, looked great, Rafe. So did Luis Neri, although I don't necessarily love that they're pushing this Is hard. he back from drugs? Do we know that? Let me say first something. We have, we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's and his name is Luis Neri, Rafe, and they pushed that thing hard. They pushed it hard, and to close that main card, uh, there was a man who didn't get beat by a man with titties, but a man with titties did win, Chris Ariola. Uh, your thoughts in, in all? Benavidez, man, that guy's awesome. One, we, I think we knew he was gonna win in some fashion similar to the one that he won over Jaylion Love. But yeah, I like that he's got titties. I like that he's got a soft body, and his whole story of just being this, this kid who grew up in gyms fighting everyone and just, Fights with that know-how, with that it. power. He, like, did you catch the videos of him? I don't know if they came out last week, but I saw them last week talking about sparring with with Triple G and the time he's like, I saw Triple G knock four guys out in a row. I mean, like, he's <laughs> it's funny because Jose Benavidez Jr., David's older brother, kind of carries himself like this sort of like 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 he's trying to be Tony Montana in Scarface or something wears the giant shades kind of acts tough puts on a big front that's fine do how do what do whatever you want but Benavidez is so different you know and from just cut from the same cloth but he 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 seems like such a much more fun dude to hang around and he's Damn good. Yeah, he might. Dude, I swear, he may be the last man standing at 68 when when they play out this PBC turn unofficial tournament, and it'll be. Fun Could he be the watch. last guy standing at 175 if he wow. went up there, brother? Wow, he had. I mean, what he's like, he's like 17 years old. No, he's here. What he's like, 22 years old. I mean, the guy's got great size. It could be Rafe. It could be. We Heavyweight. I'm going crazy. Stop I'm it. Sorry. Stop <laughs> it. We got to roll into the zone this past weekend. Uh, Tevin Farmer beat your bearded dude, Jono Carroll. I don't care. I didn't really care. I didn't care. Either. Farmer defended his IBF title, but holy crap on that undercard, Rafe. We said Thank Gabe you. Rosado, Machi Selechki could be hot fire. One-sided for eight rounds, but in nine and ten, it was like Balboa, Rafe, in Philly. And by the way, Gabe Rosado's worn some horrific trunks in his life, including those Hector Camacho, like, skirt trunks that I just hate when people wear. But those 76ers stars and stripes ones that he put on were fantastic, Rafe. What a damn comeback. What were you feeling? Huge feels for my man, Gabriel. He's a good boy. You know, Triple G said it years ago. He was right. Gabriel, good boy. What a good boy. Oh, my God. And, you know, he was landing. He was coming on a little bit in the fight, landing some nice clean shots right before he got knocked down by Suletsky in like the eighth round. Uh, but yo, he, when, when, when he knocked him down the first time and then got him to go down the second time and Suletsky was hurt bad. Oh, it was, uh, it just, yeah. And again, he fell short. Rosado as always falls short, but look up. If you don't have turned into your head, listeners, 
look up that man's box rec and just remember all the fights he has been in, the guys he has faced, and how he's pushed them all, how close he came in so many of those fights. Kid Chocolate, he gave him some, a lot of trouble. People thought he got robbed. I don't know if I would go that far, but people thought Rosado might have deserved to win that fight. Um, the Lemieux he fought well against. He fought, uh, he beat Jaylion Love and got screwed on the Guerrero Floyd undercard. It was, I mean, Rosado, that man really is, he's a ball sack of the decade guy. Wow, wow, that was an emotional comeback. You really wished for him that he would get it, but it's almost like, Apropos that he didn't get the win, that he just got two knockdowns to get back into it. And Solecki was kind of hilarious in the way he responded in the post-fight interview. And he he was lucky to survive. What a fun – dude, you got to give DAZN this credit. And, again, I don't, I don't pop for a Tevin Farmer headlined card, and he fights every month. But they put crap on these undercards that we have to see. It's like good crap. It's like – you know, it's like going to Seven Eleven. There's a lot of crap there, but man, I eat all that crap, Rafe. I I I eat crap every day, Rafe. I love this crap. This was great crap, Rafe. So I I mean, thank you, Dazone. Thank you, Al Heyman. I mean, sorry, not Al Heyman. Uh, I mean, Al Heyman is the go. You know, we can still thank Al Heyman. We can still thank Al Heyman, but you know, and I'm a Dazone subscriber. I am too, Dwyer, and that was the service I have. That was fun. That was. I think that's magic. It was. It was great. We got to get away from it though and go ESPN. Plus, Sunday night, Rafe, St. Patrick's Day, Michael Conlon did that thing again where he comes out with a famous Irish person. Not Conor McGregor this time, Rafe, but in my wheelhouse, bro, WWE superstar Finn Balor coming out with the Irish flag. I popped for that. And then Conlon gets what kind of was an easy Went the distance decision over Ruben Garcia Hernandez, I believe was the man's name, the guy who took Donaire the distance. Your thoughts here, Rafe? Oh, Brian. Did you watch uh, my it? thoughts? No, I didn't watch it. All right, this, then this, I'll tell this, you. This, honestly, I know that I know that St. Paddy's Day is a traditional fight day and the garden has a, a, a great sort of history of John Duddy fights, slot kind of sloppy bring in the Irish crowd fights on 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 Paddy's Day and this belongs in that tradition, but no nah, man, this, this, there was it, nothing there for. Unless no, I'm there in no. person, I, there's nothing there for me as, 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 a, as a streaming viewer. All right, here's the deal. He was great on our show last week, and I know, and I know you didn't listen to that interview at all. Believe me on that. Um, he's 27. He's good. He's really good. He's not great though. So I'm seeing it on my timeline, and some people are right. He's not spectacular, but I thought he looked better in this fight. And look, he doesn't have big time power, and you're seeing that out there. But I thought he looked more Lomachenko like. And I'm not comparing him to Lomachenko. I'm not saying he's on that level. But there was more dynamic to his game. And I, and he, and he got rid of Manny Robles as trainer. He's with Adam Booth now. And there was just more craft that he showed. More switching stances. More cutting angles. I thought this was a really good performance to show that he's evolving and there's more. But he's not a stop traffic guy at this point. Folks, this is the kind of fight that's going to stop. Traffic. It's just not, though, Dwyer. It's just not. He's not that. He's not a must-see guy. Rafe didn't even bother watching it, but he fills out that arena on March 17th every year. Why, you know I love your daddy, while he's serving drinks over at uh, over at uh, McSorley's there. And uh, you know what? It was a pretty, pretty, deep, pretty good performance there. But, no, he's not blowing through guys. He's not making guys quit. So there's only so much you can do right now. But, Rafe, they are slow playing something here. I know you don't remember this Russian guy. That Conlon got robbed against in the Olympics and then flipped off the judges. We know that whole thing. And Aram did the pictures with him flipping people off. 
Top rank signed that guy, and he's like four, three and zero or four and zero, and they're setting it up. Conlon called them out after the fact, after the fight. I like when that happens. Look, Cotto fought on HBO in his initial rise. Some dude who who beat him in the amateurs, and, and Cotto got screwed against. I love when they do that. There's a storyline there. I'm into that. You care? I forgot the guy's name. So sorry. Shout out to that Russian guy. I, I believe it's uh Pit Pitikin. It's it starts with a P. It's got the word pit in it. It ends in a kin. Yeah, I, yeah. That's that's as much as I can do for you. But Brian. You think I care about that guy who did that thing <laughs> with his hands to those judges at that international competition? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> By the way, we got Al Bundy's thoughts on a possible Conlon Pitikin fight. Uh, the Russian, I think, is is more to my liking. Wow. 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 All right. All right there. Uh, Rafe, let's continue to speed out of here. We're running out of time here, Rafe. But latest news, I got one for you, and it's a big one. We're going to be a little bit dated now because on Tuesday, Deontay Wilder is going to do a press conference. We're recording this on Monday. Tuesday, Deontay Wilder, Brooklyn, press conference to announce what's happening next. But if you heard his interview on the Fox pay-per-view, you kind of got a feeling of where this is going, Rafe. If the reports can be true from the top copywriter and those like him, Zone offered Wilder a three-fight deal worth 100 – or was it – yeah, it was. It was like – Yeah, it was like a straight-up Dr. Evil-type deal. It was like $20 million to fight Brazil on DAZN, then 40 to fight Joshua, and 40 to rematch Joshua. And look, maybe there's a curveball, but everyone's reporting, including Coppinger, that they turned it down and that Brazil versus uh, – Wilder on May 18th is going to be either a Showtime or Fox pay-per-view fight. We're going to find out for sure on Tuesday, but Rafe, I mean, you don't know, you don't know both sides of the story here, but this seems to give a lot of people liberty on Twitter to say Wilder does not want the Joshua fight. Are you willing to go there off of this? Because how do you turn that money down? What is going on? We know that Al Heyman's the GOAT. Al Heyman the GOAT. What is he offering him behind the scenes that could turn down that type of cashola? I don't, it's, it, the whole thing is really hard to figure out, Brian. And, and in general, I, I do not like the Twitter sports fan thing. And this happens across sports. It's not a boxing fan. This is an NBA thing, an NFL thing. Pocket watching. I hate pocket watching. I, I, it is not, I'm interested how much money people are earning, but it is not my business to tell them how much money they should earn, Wait. how they should earn it, or where they should earn it. But as a pool? boxing fan, yeah. Pocket pool? You into that? <laughs> I, I have played a bit. A pocket hockey was really more my game. Right, but pocket right. pool, I've got a, you know, I, you know, left hole, corner pocket. Yeah, wow. I know what you mean. Wow, you know. that's um, gross. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Go for it. Anyway. Um. So I, I, I generally want to stay away from this kind of stuff, but it is very hard to ignore those kind of numbers. The idea that whatever his alternative to this $100 million deal that DAZN was floating for Deontay Wilder could be better than that if it doesn't include fights against Anthony Joshua or it means, and I'm going to be very kind here. I hope it means that they are very, very confident that after the Brazil fight, they will be able to make a Fury fight or make the Joshua fight as a one-off on its own terms. That they think they can get this done without signing the three-fight deal. 
which is possible, right? That money is there. While all three of these guys are always going to be worth a buttload of money to each other. So they can get there, but somebody's going to have to do it. Man. Baby, I just don't get it. I don't get it either, Tice. I don't get it either. You get a chance to face... Anthony Josh. And you get a chance to do what you've said you've wanted to do for so long, Rafe. You've wanted to do this three-word saying. I speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. And now you're not doing it, but I, I wonder if you're right. There's got to be something. Maybe it is exactly what you're saying. Maybe there's an in-path there, but it does make Eddie Hearn kind of look good when he says, what else do I have to do to make this fight happen? He doesn't want this because Eddie Hearn wasn't even in these negotiations. It was a John Skipper thing. I'm happy the negotiations happened. I'm interested to hear the reasoning and the breakdown because Wilder doesn't pull punches. He gives you an honest reaction. So I am interested. Maybe the story will change. There's only so much more we can say on that. But, man, Rafe, it started to get a little exciting there of, like, can more people jump to make these fights happen? I really hope. I really believe it could. The only other news I have, and this just happened right now, do you think Bob Arum tweets from Matt Bob Arum? Maybe. Because Mark Ortega just called out uh, the corner man for tweeting this uh, for Bob. And corner man's like, no, Bob does his own. But here's what Bob said 10 minutes ago. Unlike Mikey Garcia, Amir Khan goes into a fight intending to win. His boxing ability, which is phenomenal, could give Terrence Crawford fits. He's capable of pulling the upset. And tweet. I don't know who wrote that. I whoever. I don't know what's going on. Bruce Trampler, the the Hall of Fame matchmaker at Top Rank, yesterday had a tweet about how he that how in his view Amir Khan beats both Mikey Garcia and Manny Pacquiao. I I know that we gotta sell this Crawford Khan fight, but let's keep it within <laughs> the realm of just not having to suspend all disbelief. Like I can I I like. BS coming out of the mouths of boxing promoters. I eat that for breakfast. Mm, mm, mm. But make it make it respectable. Yeah. Give I got, it, make it. I got news you know, for the Americans of the world. Many guys, Rafe. I mean, come on, stop, stop it, stop that crap. Just stop. you're gonna have to wipe it off of your face. Americans. I got spanked. Let me wipe the egg from my face. Yeah, come on, stop that. American. Got, it was in deep trouble against the guy that Louis Colazzo beat on Sunday night. Tell me a guy he beat better than Bradis Prescott. I mean, seriously. Come on. We, all right, we got to gather. We have a couple minutes to go here, Rafe. Before we get into weekend preview, do you care mode? And this is a really weird weekend. Uh, you sent me some weird sound of a fighter who will fight this weekend. He's a heavyweight who Dwyer loves. His name is Kubra Pulev. But Rafe. We've heard fighters in the past before talk about what type of food they like to eat most. Normally, you get manly answers, Rafe, okay? Exhibit A, Gennady Golovkin. I eat steak every day. <laughs> Seriously, I like meat. I'm not big, you know, just I'm small guy. Just, I need energy. Max. All steaks. Max. I need energy. Max, Max, Exhibit B, Alexander Usyk. Big, big steak. Okay. Can I join you? Can I come and eat with you? Okay, yes. I like steak. Okay. It's good. You said you like steak. Yeah. Blood or not blood? Blood. Not blood. It's good. Yes. No. Blood. No. No. 
Blood, blood is good. Right? Also, famously, a, a double kebab guy. Yeah, the, the, uh, if I have, if I win, I will have two. I will have a double kebab. Yes, double kebab. Let's bring in Kubrat Pulev in an interview with James Bag James Bag Junior's favorite Helen Yee. Here we go, Rafe. Salad. Salad's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salads, Rafe. Salads. Well, very good. Is make them toast my salad. Rafe, what's going on here? I like, Come on, bro. I like, he's not talking about those kind of salads. He means he's training. He's trying to stay trim. This is a heavyweight who takes his his conditioning seriously. We should be applauding that. You know what? Tim Tim Bradley was is vegan. He he would train. First, he was just training vegan. Now, I believe he's full vegan. I don't know, Rafe. Sal- no, come on. I mean, I like, I like this I- guy. This guy Borat Pula. All right, we got to get into weekend. I weekend. like uh, Rafe Thursday in your backyard of Hollywood, California. This is the first. Where are we going in the in the in the new series that Golden Boy is doing with the Zone, but it won't air on the Zone. It'll air in like local regional stations. The main event, though. Mercedo Gesta, we have a new Manny Pacquiao, Rafe, and his name is Mercedo Hesta. We'll take on Juan Antonio Rodriguez, 10 rounds lightweights. Do you care? Uncle Hesta coming back. Yeah, why not? Did he ever get sent to hell or did he just want to do one boring uh, decision? He survives. Time? He just gets beat real boring. He also fights guys who aren't going to send him to hell like Jorge Linares and, yeah. and Miguel Vasquez. So his losses, he just gets outclassed, not, not sent to hell. All right. Uh, there's a lot of crud on the, on this week's timeline here. Uh, Saturday, Costa Mesa, California. Is that relatively in your backyard? I believe that's in Orange County. All right. Well, you could see Kubra Pulev, the aforementioned heavy potential Tyson Fury opponent, take on Bogdan Dinu, 10 rounds heavyweights, Rafe, in that main event that's on regular ESPN. Do you care about Saturday night? Oh, Brian, that's going to be tough. I'm a, I'm a Pulev guy, but even, I don't know, in that Helen Yee video, Pulev is asked to sell the fight and even he can't really do it. I, yes, I don't have that sound in front of me. I ran out of time, but he was like, uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> I, uh, fight guy, it uh, uh, Thailand guy. Uh, <laughs> some guy, yeah. All right, here's the deal. If he, he's going to win and if he wins, he's going to be a fury opponent and we're going to be fired up for that, right? Because I think, we never got to see Kubrat against AJ, and I think he would have been good in that fight. I'm not going to play you that Dwyer sound drop of how good he is off the back foot, but I'm telling I don't, you, that, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm afraid. We don't. I don't know if we're going to see him against Fury right away because he's a mandatory for AJ. He he can enforce his I think his IBF mandatory status on AJ after this voluntary defense against Jarrell Miller, assuming that Joshua beats Big Baby. Now, obviously, there would be a purse bid situation or something for them to figure out how to make that fight between uh, DAZN and ESPN, but Pulev might prefer to go after that than Fury, although... Maybe he just, maybe he want, he's the Fury executioner. You know, he took down Huey. Now he's going to take down Tyson. The other thing, you know what else made me sad last week about heavyweights? I saw some coverage on boxing scene suggesting that Fury will not be fighting Oscar Rivas in his first ESPN fight, but that Oscar Rivas will be fighting on the undercard. Oh, stop, stop that. Are we marinating to Tyson Fury, Oscar Rivas? We're doing really bad things. That's what we're doing. But you mentioned shouting out to heavyweights. And I don't know Luis Ortiz personally, but brother, I thank you for that. Shout out right here. 
Yes, shout out right here, indeed. All right, Rafe, on that co-main, real quick, do you care? Jesse Magdaleno versus former Bantamweight title holder Rico Ramos, 10 rounds featherweights? I care about Jesse Magdaleno. I want to see how he comes back after the dog bait fight, but Rico Ramos is food in that fight. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, Maxim, I love you, Dadashev versus Ricky Sismundo, 10 rounds junior welterweights? You've lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Van Eerden, former Conor McGregor sparring, sparring partner versus Mahanri Montez, eight or ten rounds. Your choice, welterweights. Oh, geez. You know, we talked about uh, the sad situation with Caleb Plant's mom last week. And then I, this was a couple months ago. But the story of Chris Van Eerden's father getting murdered in, in South Africa is, is ah. also really sad and and. Uh, and Sad. Yeah, way to bring us down here, Rafe. Also on Saturday, but on ESPN Plus, they're doubling up this weekend from Leicester, England. Sam Bowen versus Jordan McCory, twelve rounds for Bowen's British Junior Lightweight title. Rafe, do you care? No, what? Who? What? 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 All right, in the co-main, it's heavyweights. Nathan Gorman, twelve rounds versus Fabio Maldonado. Is that the UFC's Fabio Maldonado that does boxing on the side? Do you care about that? It, very well might be. I mean, Gorman is one of these rising heavies. Yeah, I want to see if he can get a nice quick knockout. If he do something spectacular, he's he's not the physical specimen that some of the other young heavyweights are, but they say that he knows how to fight. He's one of those guys. I wonder if he has a back foot game. Deep on that undercard is Tommy Fury, Tyson's little brother, versus Maxim's Augurkovs, four rounds light heavyweights. Interesting. Saturday from DAZN, Rafe, this ain't a big one, London Charlie Edwards versus Angel Moreno, 12 rounds for Edwards' WBC flyweight title. You don't care about that, right? Not that super fly for me. All right. Well, they have people on this card that both of us care about a little bit. Ben man time. Josh Buazzi, who's a up-and-comer at light heavyweight, is going to fight for the vacant British 175 title against Liam Conroy. I'm telling you, from my sojourn in DAZN and these doing these sloppy British fights, Josh Puazzi is for real, Rafe. Watch him care about that. And Lawrence Oakley against Wadi Camacho, 12 rounds for Oakley's British and Commonwealth Cruiserweight title. Hmm. I, I, my favorite thing about uh, Oakley, Oakley, Dokley, Oakley, uh is, well, not just the Ned Flanders lines, but also – how much British boxing Twitter seems to hate him. Boy, do they hate a Lorenzo Coley fight. They are just, they just crap all over it. All right, closing here quickly. Jason Quigley's on this undercard. Ten rounds, uh, middleweights, TBA. He's, that's interesting. The Golden Boy fighter. And Lewis Ritson from the top of the pops to the bottom, Rafe. Third to the last fight on this card. He's going to, the Sandman's going to take on German Argentino Benitez. Ten rounds, junior welterweights. I hear, I hear things, Rafe. I hear he can't make 135. Anymore. If the Sandman's moving up to 140 full time, that's bad news. This Mr. Sandman gonna gonna give himself a dream, Rafe. Well, we just gotta wait and watch the fights and see. I, I, it's hard to be too high on the Sandman these days after that loss to Francesco Patera. All right, Saturday Atlantic City off TV. Chaz Witherspoon versus TBA. Ten Holy rounds heavyweights. Wow, I, I don't know. You don't care about that. From the Philippines on Saturday, Pase City, Pase City. Pasay City, yes. Michael Dasmarinas versus Kenny Demachillo, IBF Bantamweight title eliminator. Oh, it's a big one. It's a big one. I right, forget that. Uh, Christoph Wolarczyk on Saturday from Poland against Alexandru Yur, 10 rounds cruiserweights. I know you, you don't care too much, but uh, we got to go down to what matters. And it's Sunday night, Rafe, FS1, Oxen Hill, Maryland. Lamont Peterson versus Sergey Lipinets. 12 rounds welterweights. I officiated a 
PBC face-to-face between these two that didn't have a ton of fireworks. Uh, Rafe, this fight's good. This is a good-ass fight. Lippinett's only loss against Mikey. He's moving up in weight to Welter. Lamont, does he have one more chance at, at 35 years old? Hey, no, this one is interesting. I, I was, I, it is hard to pick an obvious. Who I do? Have you looked? Who is the betting favorite? It's got to be Peterson, that. I guess. Probably. But Peterson is not active. It's not his natural weight. He does he ever had a good win at 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 one forty seven? I can't think of one off the top of my head. He deserved one against Danny Garcia, in my opinion. But he also gave away a lot of rounds early in that fight. There's a chance for Lipinets as like to come in and be the young, hungry guy who who basically goes in and shows Lamont Peterson that it, it's time to start winding down this very good career that he's had. But I don't know if Lipinets is good enough to be that guy. It's interesting. What do you you have a do you have a strong take on this one? You know you are do, do, do you deep in your heart? Do you know who's winning this? I one? think Sergey Lipinets is a live dog here that can push the pace and really make Lamont Peterson fight. Peterson is more sc- well. I don't know. He's old now. I mean, Lipinets, like, I went back and watched that Mikey fight last week. Old balls, you know, let's watch out. Lipinets is, uh, he's Getting good, man. He's really good. I like, I'm going to pick the upset here. I, like, I don't know if it is an upset. I like Sir, Sergey Lipinets to get a win here. I'm not saying he's sending Lamont Peterson to retirement, but I can see him winning an action-packed decision. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Anthony Peterson, the brother of Lamont, is going to face washed-up Arhenis Mendez, 10 rounds junior welterweights in that co Wow. And that I will watch that slop. Uh, you don't care uh, Sunday night about Cleotis Pendarvis fighting in Hollywood, right? You don't care about that, right? That's, uh, should I? No, no. All right, that's it. No, we got, we know. Hey, Rafe Bugs, thank you so much for joining me. Follow him at Rafe Bugs on Twitter, at State of Combat, at B Campbell CBS. We had to speed through it this week on location, Rafe, but we got the job done. Uh, any final thoughts to your fans, to your people? Uh, you want to shout out Snack at all? I mean, because, you know, Mikey Garcia was supposed to be all over Snack, and he kind of came in with, like, Mini love handles? Like, were you were you not impressed by his uh by his body's performance there? I, look, if that is what Snack does for you, then maybe you should be calling Memo next time because wow. Memo got Juan Manuel Marquez ready for that second run. Don't get to wire up in the Snack bullpen. Now, first, oh. this has to be mentioned because this is the next wave in boxing. You remember Barry Bonds? You remember Gary Sheffield? You remember the Balco Lab. You remember Victor Conte. You remember THC. You remember the clear. You remember Victor Conte going to jail. Right? Well, before Conte went to jail, he had a regimen called Snack. S-N-A-C. And people like Marion Jones before she was disgraced. Barry Bonds before he was disgraced used to actually be on the Snack website as prime examples of what Snack could do for you. I don't know if you want to put Mikey Garcia on that Snack website to see what Snack can do for you. Snack needs a comeback, Rafe, and if you're looking for a good snack, I'm going to offer you this. Well, the first thing I do is make him toast myself. All right, Rafe, that's it. That's it. End of the show. We're going home. I'll throw you the lob, Rafe. We out. <laughs> 